Oh, yeah, we're recording. Okay, cool. Yay! Cool! Technical <laughs> difficulties. It's fine. <laughs> we don't know what the fuck we're doing. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, let's record at nine, and then we just figure it out at nine. Yeah, going with it. Well, it took us two minutes to figure it out, so I think we're doing okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're, um, it could be worse. It's, I mean, we've seen worse. Just go on TikTok. True. Oh, my God. Um, if you want to cringe, uh... <laughs> Just have Jillian send you the most cringy shit. I, I find the cringiest shit ever, and Kate is the only person I can send it to, just because, like, yeah. Trigger warnings. Right together. No yeah. trigger warnings. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, anyone, uh, okay, so welcome to the podcast. Officially, we are here doing it, and I'm so excited about it. I've been Woo! trying to get Jillian on this damn podcast for I don't even know how long have we been talking about this it's been months we've been talking about it since like the beginning of the semester maybe yeah right yeah definitely like the beginning of the semester yeah super fucking long time we always have really good conversations and I'm like dude we need to just fucking record this um so here we are uh and we're gonna do it I think a lot of the content that we do is going to be, obviously, Jillian, for those of you that don't know, but you've heard me speak, uh, she is also a graduate of USF Masters in Exercise Science. She is a coach at LocoFit, so she's amazing. Uh, probably my best friend coming out of my master's, so uh, she's a good shit and a great coach. So, you know, if you guys don't follow her already, uh, you should, and she definitely gets me going with all things that I ramble about, so be ready for those those things uh but yeah so Jillian introduce yourself to people and tell them a little bit about who you are where you're from what you do sick um so as Kate said I'm also in the master's program I actually just graduated with my master's um in uh Bill Campbell's exercise science program so woo, finally um <laughs> I'm I've been a coach for team local fit for over a year now um I flew down to Tampa I'm originally from New York I got my bachelor's in nutrition and dietetics. So I was originally on that RD route. Um, and then I kind of figured I was more into the physique, sport, physique, science side of things, um, especially training. So I decided to kind of put that on hold. Maybe I, I don't know if I'm ever going to pursue that, but um, I applied to the program and then my life got flipped upside down, but in the best way possible. So uh yeah um I can go into like more of my background but I feel like that could be like a whole other episode with like you know where we each of our experiences and stuff like that but that's the the short version <laughs> um yeah just come from quite different backgrounds in our experience with physique sports and and the stuff that we've been through so each of our perspectives I think uh can help you guys from wherever you're starting because everyone is so different um, but I think that for you guys to just get a little bit of flavor about me and Jillian and how we go at things, okay. <laughs> um, I think we're just going to fucking, you know, break you guys in. So don't expect like PG content here. Um, that's probably not going to happen, obviously, what? from the show that I'm up for. God damn <laughs> damn <it. laughs> I'm just here for PG-13, people. Um, but yeah, literally, like, we're, we're going to, you know... We'll be ranting or just like telling it like it is, basically. So, yeah, I think that there's that, a lot of misconceptions out there. And Jill is really good at monitoring the shit on social media, particularly Instagram, um, with <laughs> coaching and the shit that they put out there. 
Anakin's, yeah. Anakin's fired. He's that's like, not even oh. Anakin. That's Ruby. Ruby is a little bit more insane than him. So searching for dogs right now. My mom and sister are like determined to get me some sort of companion. <laughs> on the on the look for but dogs. Like, they're like little. They're like magnetic to me. Like they, I wake up and they're both in my bed. Um, and then last night they were just like both cuddled around me. I'm like, I don't know why, but I'm not complaining. Essentially. Sorry for the interruption, people. Uh, but yeah, so I guess one thing that we can just go ahead and fucking talk about is some of the stuff that we see, especially going into the new year, um, with coaching. So, uh, some of the things that we've noticed or seen, uh, and I think that it's important to discuss this is one thing that I think about is think about someone you fucking love, you know, uh, maybe your grandmother or your sister, or your mom, right? If they're sick and they need to have surgery, are you going to go to the surgeon that has had this surgery done to them, but maybe hasn't practiced it on somebody else or isn't qualified to do so? Or are you going to go to someone that's never had the fucking surgery, but it's been through all of the fucking schooling and all that shit that has the experience and has done thousands and thousands mm -hmm. of repetitions in this procedure? Exactly. That's how I think about coaching. I'm not going to go to a coach. Let's say, because I get inquiries quite often, people that have disordered patterns or eating disorder backgrounds. And I see lots of coaches being like, oh, I overcame my eating disorder, so I can help you overcome yours too. Um, and that's where I think coaching has a fault because that's not your lane. Though you might have been through that, um, that doesn't make you qualified to do it. And so when you're looking into coaching, look at not only their credentials and their experience, um, but see the type of people that they're coaching and what it is that they're promoting on their platforms. Um, so I don't know if you have thoughts on this, but that's something that I see quite often is, oh, I've been through this and I've done it. And therefore, you know, I can help you get through that. Um, but I think that there are specific qualifications that someone needs to have in order to be a successful and qualified coach. Oh, absolutely. I mean, when it comes to stuff like eating disorders, like that's something that obviously, I mean, as a coach, who does, you know, lifestyle and prep client coaching, um, mm -hmm. that's definitely not in your lane. And that's something that you want a professional to be involved with. Um, and, you know, of course, experience, I don't want to discount experience and the importance of a coach's personal experience, because that's something that I've kind of realized the value in, in the past year. Um, I kind of wrote this down the other day, but, um, just like the value of sharing my experiences helps me connect with my clients. And although I would rather bury them deep down below and never like kind of talk about the shit that, you know, I kind of, you know, worked through, it's something that can help people. But at the same time, just because, you know, mental, mental health and eating disorders is a whole other area yeah. that, you know, just because you've been through it and, you know, you fixed all your problems, that's something that you really want to, you know, refer out for. And I don't think you should be taking someone's health like that in your hands as a Instagram coach and like, you know, online coach. If that, yeah. There's like yeah. a line here. There's so much to unravel. And I think that sharing your story and sharing your experience is so important. Um, you know, one thing that I've kind of shared more recently, especially, you know, as I get more comfortable in my own skin is like the transformation that I've had in this time off. You know, if you guys look at my Instagram or you follow me there, um, I was pretty thin 
definitely a hard gainer. Um, and I took that whole year off. Now I've never had like eating disordered lifestyle. I was just like, went through a really shitty period with my first coach. Um, and instead of rebounding, which a lot of people do after the first season, I actually just found that I couldn't tolerate any variety of food. So I was afraid of food for a long, long time. And so I guess that makes me like, I don't know. What is that when you have like fear of foods? Uh, orthorexia? I thought so. Yeah. Something like that. I feel like last time I heard about that, it wasn't like medically recognized. I could just be talking completely out of my ass right now. Like you have like an overwhelming fear of like certain foods. Anyways, that was like me for a long time until I started like flexibly dieting and incorporating that into my life. Uh, And then after taking a full year off and being in a surplus, like you guys can see, um, if you follow me on Instagram, like that's something that I overcame. But when I get inquiries from people and we do screen and I'm, I'm very sure that, you know, you do too. Um, for those types of eating disorder behaviors or past. Um, the first thing that I will ask someone on a phone call, um, is, are you working with someone currently? Is it something that you're currently struggling with? Um, because I'm not qualified to help you through that. That's not something that I do. Um, you being open to talking to me about it is important, but the person that has that qualification and experience is going to have precedence over what you need to be doing, um, over me. Right. And it's, so it's something that works together uh, to help enhance the quality of that person's life given their own situation. Um, So I think that it's really important. But time and time again, I see people on social media talking about uh, their disordered eating history. And I've even heard people be like, well, I don't help them. Who's going to? And that makes me cringe because it's like, if you really give a fuck about that person and you really want to help them be better and overcome this shit, you would say no and outsource them to someone who's fucking qualified to actually help them. That's the the sign of an actual, you know, a good coach who's willing to, you know, deny someone, deny working with someone. It's not about the money at that point. You know, it's about helping someone. And and the thing that's going to help them the most is you referring them to someone who can handle those issues and help them heal from it. That's much better than just taking on another client. You know, it's not about the money at that point. It's about, hey, I know you want you want to do this, but these are the things I'm noticing. And I, I highly recommend you go talk to a professional. And I think it's really important to give that person perspective because it's not like, I think a lot of people are like, Oh, we'll just like, stop doing this. Just go eat a cheeseburger. Like I hate when people say that first of all, like you don't know that person's background at all, but um, you know, it's, it's important to give them perspective that even though they want to be at point Z, they're at point A and the first step is overcoming the psychology before they can get into the physiology that they're trying to seek, right? Um, if you're not in a place where you are comfortable um, eating in a surplus or eating certain foods or you know you have these limitations psychologically, it is important. The first thing that you should tell that person is, we can get there, but we need to take this time off and you need to work with someone who can get you over these psychological things that are these hiccups so that when you are ready and you have overcome this, then you can come back to me and we can now work together in a place that's going to allow you to be successful. Because these people, anyone that works with you and you're coaching them, they're investing in you and your guidance. And so if you can't properly guide that person because of of their own current limitations, you're doing them a disservice, um, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And so I like outsourcing someone, um, especially like just people that are, and there's difference between like, we work with prep people that have disordered tendencies. I think that on some level, you know, that happens to everyone, you get more neurotic. And if you've 
read or heard about the Minnesota starvation experiment, you kind of know what happens to people psychologically as they get very lean or they're dieting very hard and being very restrictive. Um, but that should end at some point um, after they come out of the diet. And if that doesn't happen or they start developing consistent disordered eating tendencies, it's important to be to be able to acknowledge those types of signs and know when it is time to outsource that person. So whether you're getting an inquiry and people are already in these situations or it's coming out of a season and they're just not making that transition into that lifestyle aspect, it's important as a coach on both sides to be able to see, hey, this is where we're at. This is where you need help. And I'm no longer qualified to help you get through this. Let me do the right thing because I care, not because you're a headache, not because I don't give a fuck about you. It's because I actually care so fucking much about you. And I want you to be your best. I'm not qualified to help you here. Um, And I think that's a sign of a really good coach. And, you know, I get asked these types of questions on phone calls. Like, have you ever had to turn someone away? Have you ever had to terminate a coaching relationship? And I have because of these situations, because I know when it gets to that point and I'm not qualified to help that person, they should not be investing in me to help them at that point. They need to be investing in someone who's a professional at that level. Yeah. And even if, you know, they work alongside, you know, the coaching, maybe, maybe you're doing lifestyle habits and they're getting the professional help they need in those sessions, whatever they need to work through. That's great too. And it shows that they're, you know, actually taking the steps that they need to in order to get themselves to a good place. Um, And, you know, again, with the turning clients down because they're not in in a good place or they don't want to do and take the steps that we would need to to get them where they want to be. Um, that's something that happens more than you think. Um, and you know what, they're, they're going to go find a coach that will do whatever they want and maybe they'll come back and they'll, they'll be like, Hey, you know what, you were right. X, Y, and Z happened. I want to work with you or they'll just continue doing what they want because, you know, timelines or, you know, stubbornness, um, all of that. And it sucks because you know you, you want to help people um but at the same time like you guys you need to take the steps that are important in order to put yourself in a healthy place um you know same thing with prep clients who want to prep after they've dieted for like 3 years straight um no um i think we should take some time off and they're like hey but i have this show in like 16 weeks i really want to do this but you've been dieting for 3 years already <laughs> Um, so my best advice is to take some time off, blah, blah, blah. But you know what? If they're not on board with that, they're going to find someone else. And that's just the reality of it. So, um, being that coach who cares and who's going to take the steps that are necessary to keep those clients healthy and put them in the best place. That's a sign of a way better coach, um, in the long run, long run than someone who's just accepting clients nonstop. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that you said there that I think is so important is there are now certain things that I really look for in clients that are transitioning from prep into their off season. And that's the, um, one of the big signs uh, is the allowance of flexibility. I see a lot of people, and I think that this is another thing that we could ramble on really is um, the reverse because everyone's like, I'm going to nail the reverse. I'm going to nail my reverse. Um, and I think that setting realistic expectations for the off season is really important to do before, or at least towards the end of their prep, 
Um, because there is no such thing as nailing your off season being perfect in it. Like, I don't, I don't know where that idea has come from. Um, but the idea of a successful off season for a competitor looks different for every person. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I just see this stigma of, oh, I'm failing my reverse because I went over 15 grams of carbs one day and five grams of fat. And I'm like, no, you didn't like that's, that's like literally look at the calorie amount of that. It's not that much. And so I think people get so caught up in seeing people, oh, I'm nailing my reverse I'm hitting my macros to a T I'm six months into my off season. And I'm like, okay, but on some level, in order for you to come back and really kick prep in the ass, I feel like you need to have that a little bit of freedom, that peace of mind, even if it's like a loose, untracked meal. Like, I don't give a fuck if you go out and you order a salad, but do not put it in your MyFitnessPal. Like, go out, fucking order what you want, sit down and enjoy it and leave it at the table. If you can do that and enjoy that experience, like to me, psychologically, that says that someone's in a better place than someone's like, oh, I have to track it and I don't know what's in this and I can't eat it. And I'm like, okay, but we're not dieting right now and we're not looking to stay... I, I don't even know where the stigma of t- like eight to 10 pounds of your stage weight comes from, but like these yeah, are that's some things that we can go on about as well. Cause I'm, I already have like the, the wheels turning up here. Um, go for it. Shoot. But you know, like staying 10 to 12 pounds over stage weight, that's not realistic at all. Um, I mean, maybe if you're like a super genetic freak or something. Um, but for the majority of people, you'll probably have the idea in your head. Oh yeah. Like I'm going to nail their reverse. And then, you know what, like my weight's like moving up pretty slow, but I think I can maintain like 10 to 12 pounds over stage weight. And then you're six months in, eight months in, a year in, and then you're like 20 pounds over stage weight. And then you feel like shit. That's because you set yourself up with unrealistic expectations and you're human. Um, You can, if you're dieting super hard for, you know, 20 plus weeks to get down to a body fat level that isn't sustainable, why would you think that you could stay somewhat close to that body weight? Um, and you know what, it, Instagram is another, we talked about this on the round table. Instagram is another thing that plays in here, you know, because you see this person who looks like they're lean staged, uh, stage lean year round. And then that gives people the idea like, oh, well they can do it. Well, you know, all I have to do is nail my reverse diet and, you know, just stay in this prep mindset of tracking everything and being meticulous, even when I'm not prepping anymore. Um, and maybe I could stay, you know, close to stage weight, but that's not, that's not the like the majority of people. Honestly. Buckle up. I'm like I so I don't understand where this comes from. Your stage weight, okay? Mm. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't fucking mean anything. Like it's a one day temporary, oh my God, I hit a new low of like 104 pounds. Okay, but you were fourth call outs and you need to put on five pounds of muscle. So really your stage weight needs to be at least around 110. So your stage weight doesn't fucking matter. And so it's more like, where's your body composition at its healthy homeostatic physiological set point? in your off season and how does that composition look as you add more muscle over time? I think that needs to be something that people start looking at. How does my body composition look year after year in my off season at this weight? And that might even change too, because as you add lean body mass, your weight is going to go up and there is this association in everyone's head and it's in mine too. I'm guilty sometimes when the the scale goes up or it's down, you just associate it with fat. Like, Oh, the scale's up. I got fat. The scale dropped. Oh, I lost fat. And like either way, giving too much energy into that one fucking number that is impacted by so many factors is, is setting yourself up for psychological stress when it doesn't need to be there. 
Yeah, and honestly, it doesn't help. When the scale goes up and your body is like, oh, I still have lines. I still see this. I, I add more muscle. Like, I look good regardless of what the fucking scale says. My composition is better here. And so I think that people need to let go of this given fucking stage weight, whatever that means. Um, I think in reference, especially for coaching, looking back over someone's history, that might be important to see how much they've progressed, mm-hmm. but that's the coach's role. That The yeah. athlete should not be focused on a given number, especially if you're new in the sport and you need to add size, you should not be setting limitations to the amount of weight that you gain in your off season. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's more so for the, you know, comparing, you know, between seasons. I, I know my stage weight in my first, you know, two seasons. And obviously I'm not trying to get that low. I'm like, hey, you know, hopefully I can be, you know, a few pounds heavier than that. I don't have any kind of thought in my head like, oh I have I have 20 more pounds to lose until I'm at my stage weight. No. Like that weight doesn't mean anything. And also, you know, obviously post show when you're reverse dieting, you're like, oh, you know, I'm like five five pounds over. And then you're kind of like gauging how much weight you gain based on that low lowest weight you hit during your prep and that's that's cool but after that I don't think that number is going to mean anything anymore if you're trying to progress and trying to put on more muscle tissue so I forgot where I was going with that but (laughs) um but uh you know just like rambling but yeah it's it's literally just data at that point and you would you would hope and you know strive for not hitting that stage weight again um, and that's how like irrelevant it's going to be after that, you know, first season you do, um, because yeah. you don't want to, to strive for that number every time you want to put on more tissue. So the point of bringing up your stage weight when it doesn't, it's not going to mean anything. That's just going to give you more expectations that you're probably, I mean, hopefully not going to try to reach because if you're prepping again. Um, you don't want to be lighter. Um, you want to put on more muscle mass. So it's just kind of like this useless number that a lot of us just hold on to for some reason. Yeah. And I think that, um, again, it's, it's definitely, so I don't want to make this like a blanket statement again, like, as we know, it's, it's very dependent on the person. Oh yeah. But I see a lot of people that are coming out of their first season that need to add mass that are setting weight limitations for themselves that didn't have enough muscle to begin with to compete. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's where it's like, okay, you need to kind of remember that this is bodybuilding. And if your feedback is you need a lot more size um, to be competitive, you you can't really set weight limitations. Also, being a natural athlete, um, which is who I work with, uh, you as well, I believe, um, yes. it is definitely something that you need to be realistic with, that your body composition is not going to be as lean as enhanced athletes in their off season due to the supplementation that they use. Now I am not well versed in that uh, area, but I do know uh, that's kind of anecdotally what I see and mm-hmm. outsourcing and talking to people that do work with enhanced athletes. That's something that they also state. Um, again, everybody's genetics and the way that they metabolize those types of compounds is going to be different. Um, but comparing yourself to someone who is not even in the same category as you yeah. is kind of setting yourself up again for some psychological distress. And so I think when you're looking at how you want to approach your off season, I do think, and we both know this, it's not like we're saying the reverse isn't important. It's after the first 12 weeks where we need to stop being so tight and so hyper-focused on that, right? The beginning of the reverse, yes, your body is sensitive and there's different approaches 
dependent on the person. Some people like a slow reverse and I'm okay with that from the psychological aspect of that person. Um, there are some people uh, that like you know higher calories right off the bat and they're fine with putting on weight. And again, it's going to be dependent on that person, but setting again, and some people respond. I have clients that well, you know, you reverse them and their body composition stays fantastic. I have people, you can give them 25 carbs and their body's just going to hold it. And a lot of it I see is A, dependent on how aggressive and how long their season was. But some of it's just genetics and the way that your body's going to respond. And people are like, oh my God, I'm not doing anything and my weight just keeps climbing. Like um, probably a lot of people follow like Paige Riley who had this um, in her last season. She just dieted for so long and her body was holding everything. And she's like, I don't understand what's going on. And that's just how you're responding. You're not doing anything wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, body is just like, hey, I want my hormones back. I, I need some body. We were way too lean for way too long. And it's going to do that. And I find that people that try to fight that process and start cutting calories, it ends up backfiring really, really harshly. Whereas if you just kind of stay consistent and allow your body to come back to its homeostatic happy set point, body fat will redistribute evenly over time. Yeah. You know, that's kind of something that I, I mean, I had a few issues in my, you know, year plus off um, that I can also dive into, but you know, a lot of underlying shit. So I don't think, you know, this is completely, I don't know. There's other stuff at play here, but I know for me, you know, I was also in that boat where I was like, you know, my happy place is at around this body weight, right? Probably the body weight I'm at right now in the one twenties. Um, that's kind of where I like, you know, I can feel good. I feel like I look athletic and I'm not staging. So that's like my happy place. But, you know, going into this off season, I had that thought, oh, I'm going to stay around here. And then around 130s. And then I, you know, peaked at 141, which for me, you know, I feel like I looked better compared to the last time I was at that body weight, you know, body composition changes and all that. Um, but, you know, in my head, I was like, you know, my ideal body weight is lower than this. What is happening? Um, I don't, I don't think, I didn't think I looked terrible. Like, you know, I looked, I feel like I looked fine. Um, I feel way better, you know, a little bit lighter, maybe in the 120, 130 range. But that was something that I I could not, you know, plan for. Um, And as, you know, as much as I was, playing around with my macros. I'm someone who doesn't really bullshit that, you know, I'm not going to lie and say that I hit my macros when I didn't. Um, you know, I had a lot of underlying shit there where, um, you know, I tried a mini cut and my weight would not move at all. You know, I tried that depletion week, my weight went up after that. So a lot of underlying shit there, but, um, at the same time, it was kind of like, I just had to let, I had to roll with it kind of, um, and see where I leveled out. And I've had to focus on feeling good, training good, and, you know, really just giving my body its time. And now I'm 100%, you know, on board with whatever I had to do in the off season to make myself feel better, because now I'm in a spot where my body is working again, <laughs> I feel like things are responding the way I've always, you know, kind of wanted them to, you know, a few months ago. Um, you know, and again, I, I said this like five times already, there's a lot of other stuff we had to work through, but it's something I had to kind of sit with and be like, okay, I'm, un- I'm a little uncomfortable, you know, and I didn't really plan for this, but I, my body has been through hell. You know, I probably, my first season I dieted for most of the year and then I went into that national circuit. So my body needs its time to kind of rest and relax and 
I got to enjoy life. I got to be more flexible. I had a few months where I didn't even track a macro. So that's the shit that you should be working towards when you're not actively dieting or trying to be stage lean. So I, I think there's exactly so many important things that you said there. Um, and we both kind of went through this. This is in my reverse and off season. So I sat down with my coach, Paul, and I think even as coaches, it is important to have a coach, right? Someone that you trust. Yeah, that could be like a whole other episode. After Miami, you are fucking done. We are not dieting. And I am someone who prefers to be in a dieting phase. So everyone out there that's like that, I get it. I've been there. I I fucking got the t-shirt. Like, I I get it. Um, But I promised myself and I promised him no matter what. And I said, even if I ask you, do not let me diet for a full year. Like, no dieting. Um, and that was hard for me. And initially it was fine. And then I did choose to get a breast augmentation where I was out of the gym for like eight to 12 weeks. Um, and that was where my body really got time to relax and recover. Um, I didn't gain a bunch of, you know, weight. I think just, I'm someone who, who can eat high calories, but also has to get pretty aggressive and prep. There's just those thresholds. So I'm pretty adaptive on either end. Um, and so I did in this off season get to my highest calorie intake, um, that I've ever had, along with the heaviest body weight I've ever had. Um, however, looking at old pictures of myself when I played basketball and such, my body composition compared to then and now, even at a heavier weight, um, is much better. And so, you know, even though you can get in your head about a fucking number, um, again, looking at body composition and things like that. And then I know that you talked about um, some things that you had to battle through as far as hormonal things, um, IUD type stuff. Um, insulin sensitivity and resistance, which we can probably do another podcast on. Um, actually, I'm just going to shamelessly tell you guys, I don't know, can people comment on podcasts? I feel like in, yeah, for sure. There's like a comment section on iTunes, I think. Where they put okay, so if you guys want us to dive into other subjects that we've kind of mentioned on here, uh, go ahead and shamelessly like do that however you do that on podcasting shit, and we'll do with that for sure. Command. Yeah, we both kind of went through an insulin resistance reset uh, during this off season, which I think is important to talk about. Uh, and looking at other factors, again, as coaching, um, it's not just about macros and cardio, you know, what's going on in your life? How high is your stress? What is your sleep quality? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm getting more into it. And we've discussed this after going to the physique summit, uh, looking into people's blood work, uh, making sure that that's really in a good place, looking at their, you know, fasted glucose levels and blood sugar and how they're handling uh, those types of things. So that's something that we're getting more and more knowledgeable about. Um, we have great resources. You have Lauren, you know, I've talked to John Gorman quite a bit about these things. Um, and so just being able to be in a community where I am certainly not afraid to say that I don't fucking know and that I still need to learn. Uh, but I think that's also a credential of someone who cares and is going to do you due yeah. diligence. Uh, cause you don't have to know everything and we won't because it's always evolving. Uh, the more we learn, the more that I realize we don't fucking know anything at all. Um, but you know, that's what you do and what it is that we do. So, uh, yeah, I think those types of conversations, we could definitely have longer length in another episode, but, um, yeah, dude, coaching world's fucking crazy. And if they're running specials around the holidays, don't fuck. Them. I thought I thought that was where this podcast was going at first when you said like New Year coaching. I was like, "Ooh, I'm gearing up, holidays, guys, discounts." Oh, go up. 
Like, you don't see high-quality products go fucking a discount. You just don't. Exactly. You can't afford fucking Louis Vuitton. You just can't afford it. Like, mm-hmm. it speaks to the quality of that, that merchandise. Yeah. Stop. No. Yeah, just please. Please, please. That's fine. <laughs> but also, you have people that aren't experienced that charge top dollar, too, which, yeah. like, also so pisses me. It's, like, literally just both ways, pretty much. Like, you know, I mean... Yeah, it's that's a whole other, you know, area that I'm sure that we can talk about that forever. Um, and there's a lot also that goes into, you know, obviously pricing and all that. But yeah, or like just fucking conversations with people if they're charging you to just talk to them. Oh, that yeah, that for sure. Um, no, I don't. I don't fucking get it at all. <laughs> Imagine. That is, like, imagine if I was like, oh, yeah, I could podcast with you, but, like, that would be, like, $60. Yeah, because that's, like, just, just to talk to you. Yeah. Figure out. And, like, help you, maybe. Like, I don't even know. And it's, like, if you have a conversation with someone and you realize that they need outsourcing help, you're going to charge them just to fucking talk to you yeah. to have you tell them that? Like, that's what I don't understand. How are you charging somebody for that? See, the room is pissed off, too. Like... <laughs> That's bullshit. They're calling bullshit in the building. We're both just like, I'm surrounded by dogs. Your building is, you know, crashing down or something. I have no <laughs> <laughs> But you're in prep now. Yeah. Did you hit it low? Because you, I fucking saw your squatting video and I was like, I damn, her voice is coming in. I did. I finally hit a new low at 125. <laughs> uh, yes. It's been one of those weeks where everything was working against me and I was banging my head into the wall but then of course on the travel day things were just like whoosh really? of all days yeah travel day I felt like way better which is super freaking weird because I had like three days where like my water was kind of shit or at least I didn't know exactly how much water I was drinking but I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. it was not like a gallon um and then of course travel always like messes things up um but for some reason when I travel my digestion gets better or I don't know, I've noticed that like in the past few times I've traveled and I'm like, I'll take it, but it's really weird because no one ever says that. But yeah, it's been my, I travel, I slept. <gasps> you talking the dog? Oh my God. Okay. The dogs are the dogs are done. I okay. Ruby. She wants your Hmm? That she wants your attention. I know. Well, she's like barking at nothing, so. Um, okay, that's fine. Yeah. So uh, that's my story. Yeah. My fucking digestion gets rocked when I travel. It's so weird. Come I get so backed up and bloated and water retentive. It's not even funny. Like, and I can even like maybe TMI, but like on the plane, I'm totally fine. Like. If anything, like, I feel like, I feel like it just, like, goes better on the, I don't know. Insane. I, I think it's almost like a, psycho, like, an environmental stress for maybe. me. Maybe my body's just like, what are you doing? My body's yes. like, you're not going for three days now, bitch. Like, you're going to sit there and feel all of it back up. And I'm like, in hermit mode. What are you doing? And then my body just, like, convulses and everything, everything works again. Release <laughs> Oh shit, man, that's yeah. funny. Yeah, and then of course, like 
Well, this is new for me too, because I never, well, actually, no, the past, maybe like a few weeks of this prep, I've hit a new low on my check-in day, which is like super weird, because normally I would hit a low like sometime in the middle of the week, and then my body would be like, hey, just kidding, and then, you know, but things are going good. That's awesome. It's funny how different each prep can be too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I feel like this one is the smoothest it's ever been. Um, And I I think that could just be because I'm not taking like birth control right now. Like the past two, I have been on birth control. Um, And that's a whole other area that I definitely could know more about. (laughs) Um, So I just think that's kind of like my thoughts around it right now. I just think I'm just functioning so much better without all the exogenous everything. So I'm really happy I made that decision. So yeah. Yeah. I like the week I, I changed like, it. Every time I see you, I'm like, this girl's skin is just like glowing. Ever since you took it out though, I'm like, Oh yeah. Like you had yeah. before and after pictures because your skin is like now like a porcelain doll. <sighs> I wish I had before pictures with my skin at least because I have before pictures with like my inflammation that I was having. Um, I, we're still recording, so like, just so you know. But um, the IUD, once I took that out, like the pain and the inflammation started going down. And then the week I start, I stopped the birth control that I was on, like right after that, my weight started dropping. Hmm. So connecting the dots over there, but. Yeah, it took a few months for my skin to get better, but like, you know, whole like 180 from where it was at like January, February. Yeah, that's so interesting. And that's one thing I really want to talk to um, Jason Theobald about is getting more information on birth control because there's so many different types in the way that impacts someone, whether they're putting it in or taking it out. Um, you know, I know that he's talked about like blood work to see where the imbalance is or the overcompensation due to the exogenous hormones. Um, yep. and so I think as we work with mostly female competitors, some of them may or may not be on birth control and now it's getting to be a trendy topic about removing it. There are consequences of removing it and you obviously responded super well, but I, okay. I don't think that's like a follow suit case. Um, for yeah. everyone. And so understanding when somebody comes off, how their body may or may not respond or overcompensate or, you know, be like now restricted from that hormonal secretion, which will have, you know, physiological impacts as well, especially on body composition. Yeah. Um, you know, understanding that I'm not super well versed in, but it is a topic and uh, something that I want to pursue knowledge in because uh, I do think that's going to be more and more popular over time. I think it's something that everyone, I think, you know, I feel like most competitors or just most women specifically will have to work through something like that or would need to kind of just like reassess where everything's at. And if I could know more about that and, you know, kind of be able to work through issues like that, that would be awesome. Like, I feel I'm, I'm not like an expert by any means. Like all I know is what happens with me and who knows what's going on there. I, you know, I'm definitely... I've been listening to a lot of Victoria Felcar stuff mm-hmm. um, just to kind of, oh my God, like literally mind blowing. Um, sometimes I re-listen to them just because I'm like, I need to know more about this. So okay. I thought I was the only person. Some people are like, yeah, I work out and listen to podcasts. I'm like, I can't do that. When I listen to a podcast, especially oh, about yeah. someone to learn from, I have to like sit and listen and like I take notes. In the zone. Like yeah. if I'm driving or if I'm like, maybe like, um, 
doing cardio or something or just like cooking a meal or something I'm like I need to I need to like have that in the background and mm-hmm. it just like it, I don't know like I've been re-listening to some of them and I'm like I need to take notes <laughs> yeah um, no I have to like people like there are certain podcasts like I'll just like lollygag and listen to and there's other ones where I'm like I really want to learn from this um so I'll sit down and take notes and then a lot of the time um you know either start researching about it on my own or reach out to that person for clarification on questions but I do think you know that's a part of the the learning process which again we have so many other topics like do you need an education to be a good coach like we could that's different topics but um I do think it would be cool to I've already talked to John Gorman who said he would be willing to come on our podcast so I'll probably have him come on and I'll reach out to Jason and see if he'll come on um, because it would be cool to talk to him about hormones and birth control and stuff um, and then just get some other really good guests. Jordan Syatt's going to come on. Oh, um, cool. Yeah, so I'm really excited about that one. And uh, yeah, so we'll have some really good guests. I think overall the content here is going to be obviously Jillian and I getting on some ramp, ra- rants. Wow, my brain. <laughs> I haven't had coffee yet, you can tell. Um, also because <laughs> nerds <laughs> uh, we'll have some you know other interviews and stuff for you guys to learn from too so it'll be a mix of you know us fucking ranting about bullshit and and providing you guys with educational content both that we've learned in our masters and through interviews of other people but this will be fun because i feel like it's just like a regular conversation and then people would just join in on the bullshit and it'll be fun <laughs> oh yeah and if you guys see fucking tea on the, the the social media like feel free to let Let's us know and we'll us like, send it because it. <laughs> yeah you know as you see the title of the podcast not all that glitters out there is fucking gold it's a lot of bullshit and pixie dust and yeah it's not diamond it's cubic zirconia bitch like don't don't play me <laughs> don't play me uh but yeah i think that's a good place to probably end it i don't know how long we're at but it's a uh, yeah. digestible for people to start with we covered some broad topics but we can kind of dial it in and yeah and we'll try to get these out at least once a week maybe twice a week going into after the new year uh but this will be the year of the podcast so i'm excited hell yeah so i uh, i guess you know you guys can you guys probably follow kate already um if you want to follow me it's literally just my name um jillian with a g and stuff like that i don't know it's not gill <laughs> it's Gillian um no it's not it's Jillian thank you very much um I've had that mispronounced my entire life um I still have family members who mispronounce it well misspell it actually but oh yeah that's the thing um (laughs) uh no shade but shade so um I I don't know how to promote myself but yeah Jillian with a G you could find me on Instagram or uh team local fit and that's a wrap all right. Yeah. Follow her. Follow me. Follow us. S- like, subscribe. I don't know what you do with podcasts, but write a review. Reviews are important. So yeah, write the fucking review. You know, this is the tea and uh, we will see you guys in our next little episode. I'm sure the next outro will be much more, uh, I guess, Probably not. professional. <laughs> Maybe not. Okay. Probably. Don't have expectations for us, guys. <laughs> okay. I'm disappointed. Don't, ex- don't set expectations in your offices. Oh, don't exactly. Don't set expectations with your podcast. Yeah. Just that's the uh, the take home here. Yep. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye bye.